0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Ivan Pace can't help but tackle people.
1: He's a machine, folks. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. If you listen closely, you can hear Ryan Wright's punt still dropping from the sky.
2: And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and Jack Lesney was convicted in a kangaroo court. He did everything right, and they indicted him. Joint
0: practices. In full swing, we talk about him next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in Thursday edition Minnesota Football Party on Locked on Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter slash X and uh. They call me a Vikings insider on this network, apparently. I go out to Vikings practice, got the reports there, and we'll be talking joint practices today. Luke Inman, Luke Braun, joining me on the show. That's at Luke underscore Spinman. That's at Luke Braun NFL. Talking Vikings football for the next hour. Ron Johnson joins the show shortly. We'll get his impressions of joint practices. I saw Ron out there watching the Titans and Vikings square off. We're also going to get into Kurt Cousins' clutchness this year I've got a nugget that will blow you away about what we can expect from Kirk Cousins this year and Ivan Pace Jr. continues to star so much to discuss on today's Minnesota football party it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook FanDuel.com slash locked on America's number one sportsbook make every moment more at FanDuel uh, Please subscribe, by the way, on YouTube. It's free and find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Sirius XM, Roku, Amazon Fire, lots of ways to watch and listen to Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Uh, Luke Braun, this seems to happen about this time every Thursday. I think there's a there's a trend developing, but what's the latest? The Vikings signed a running back rookie out of Richmond. Aaron
2: Dykes. You and to make room say. on their roster. You guys aren't gonna like it. Uh oh! They waved jackpot Podlesny.
1: No, the Uh-oh. hot pot
2: is gone. Everybody, the hot he didn't even get a chance. You didn't he didn't even, even even, a
0: he Goodbye, didn't even get a crack. Didn't even get a chance lover. in a preseason game. Goodbye, my friend.
2: It was you never a real competition after all. You have been the one. Sad day, for sad day.
0: Me. Um, maybe they saw him in the fierce wind yesterday and said, "No, you can't. You can't cut it, okay. kid. If you can't kick in this yesterday." The wind almost ruined it. It was absurdly windy out at TCO to the point where kickers kicking into the wind could not reach the crossbar on a 45-yard attempt. And kickers, or punters, I should say, punting with the wind at their back were literally punting at the length of a football field. <laughs> that, that was the wind yesterday at the uh, hurricane that was TCO Performance Center. And that was an underlying theme at joint practices, Vikings-Titans. Number one takeaway, besides the wind, Ivan Pace Jr. is insane. I've noticed this throughout camp. I'm sure the coaches don't love it, but I kind of do love it. He, like, can't help himself from tackling people. It's like Lewis Scene is the opposite. Louis Scene is always in position, and he can't help. Like he, It's almost impossible not to tackle someone, and Louis Scene will not tackle them. Ivan Pace tackles people where he has no business tackling people. He's knocking over Derrick Henry, for gosh sakes. That happened yesterday. Did he really
1: knock him down? Derek he Henry. The the describe that play
2: to me. How how much was Give that visual? Was that Derrick Henry losing a physical battle? And how much of that was
0: it being camp? I want to say it was a pitch left. Uh, Henry kind of broke through the first hole, then Ivan Pace like filled at the next level and moved in quickly closed ground and then hit him. Like not really a wrap up, more of a like shoulder into the body and sent him flying.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable, man. He, he has officially like stolen the show when it comes to just this training camp phase. Like when we look back and we think about training camp Vikings, 2023, Ivan Pace is gonna be the first thing everybody thinks about and talks about. Yeah. it's just unbelievable. Not only like, not only like crown him Mr. Mankato, yes, but oh, yeah. like, my God, guys, like he may be the biggest clear cut Mr. Mankato winner we've had in what four or five years? I mean, since what Slowter or something? I don't know. I'd have to go yeah, back and yeah. check the notes, but it's crazy, man.
2: Like every time we see an undrafted rookie have a good day in camp, we go, hey, you know. Remember Ivan Pace? It could right. be real. Could be right. something like they, right. we're gonna we're gonna right. be wrong like four other times about someone right. else because of him.
0: Right. He's stacked so it, many good days at this point yeah. too. It's it's and he's working with the ones. Well, that's Brian SMO out.
1: Yeah, a, a rookie UDFA, not a first round pick, but a UDFA to come in and learn every detail of the playbook to the point they've trusted him already. In a game, game one, by the way, my professional career, UDFA, to wear the green dot. Like, it's the green dot for me, outside of, yes, getting reps with the one, but the green dot, man, just speaks such high volumes, I think, as far as, like, how the coaches view him, not just physically as a player, but just mentally as a guy you can trust to to call and run the defense because – I don't know. I think about the draft process, right? Like plenty of times you, you, you study these guys coming out and physically they check all the boxes, but then you get to the actual games and they turn out to be, they call them coach killers because they're so lost when it comes to, all right, the new speed of the game, missing assignments. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up making these coaches look terrible. Like coach, Hey, what's going on? I, I drafted this kid for you in the fourth round. He's got all the physical tools. How come he's not making more plays? So, yeah, I just think for him to come in, earn that green dot already. You know, I think KOC said at the podium yesterday, he's not fighting for a roster spot anymore. We're we're way beyond that. He's pushing the first team reps already. So it's just so fun to watch, man. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him and his career kind of develop, just knowing how hot he started out the gate.
0: Let's read the quote from KOC. I didn't I didn't know if we had a good KOC quote on Ivan Pace. I know we've heard from Flores, we've heard from teammates, we've heard from other coaches, college coaches who've been interviewed uh, for features, but I asked KOC yesterday about Pace, and he, he did not disappoint in the answer. Here's the quote, courtesy of Will Raggetts, who transcribed it. Really, in every facet of the game, how we're playing defense, the communication, pressure, no pressure, the way he has the athleticism to run sideline to sideline, cancel out some mistakes. If we lose a gap here or there, he's shown to be able to get off blocks for a guy that when I watched his tape in college, he was almost unblockable. And that's translating in a lot of ways. It could be a great look for a play, getting alignment up to him on the second level, and he somehow avoids that block and makes the play while he's maintaining, doing his job so he doesn't undress any other facet of the defensive call. He did great with the green dot the other day in Seattle. Gold stars all the way around for Ivan. As I've challenged him to do, you're not just trying to compete to make our team. Let's see where you can go and help us possibly win football games from the jump. Um, I looked for precedent on this. Man, like that's such a crazy, like everyone's ears perked up as soon as he said that. (laughs) um, I looked it up. There are since the turn of the century, there are four undrafted linebackers that have started 10 games as a rookie. In 23 years now, I'm not saying we don't know if he starts yet. Right. Like he might just be a a rotational player. Still, Brian SMO is still probably going to start. But if that happened, if injury happened, if pace was in that position, like this could be an unprecedented kind of, uh, you know, rookie season an undrafted guy from Cincinnati. That's super wild.
1: Yeah, I pulled up my uh, final big board, and I had this guy ranked as the 96th best player in the draft just based off the tape. that That's like a super late third-round pick. That's like the compensatory picks, late third-round, early fourth. Obviously, he drops because of the small size. We get that. That's the big storyline now. We, we understand why he dropped. But, I mean, just to watch the Vikes reap all these rewards now for taking a swing on him, bringing him to Minnesota in that undrafted pool after the draft – it's a huge resume booster guys for Quay's draft history. Big win, I feel like he kind of needed this one, you know, such a slow start with obviously the big names guys like scene and Booth, et cetera the year prior. but um, yeah, I think Quasey needed this one for his resume for sure..
0: Mm-hmm. Other takeaways from yesterday, it was not particularly eventful. And I think again, I think the wind kind of ruined it because like even, One-on-ones, right? Wide receivers versus defensive backs. Usually a very exciting drill. Anything that was thrown into the wind, it was getting knocked down to the point where defensive backs were getting flagged a lot because the receiver was always having to come back to the ball. So they were just running through the defensive back and the defensive back was getting penalized because they just couldn't throw it downfield. Kirk Cousins in the two-minute drill tried to throw a corner route to Justin Jefferson one of his best, you know, high percentage throws, just got just got sucked into the air, lost all its velocity, intercepted by Roger McCreary. A lot of that yesterday, not a lot downfield. But you know what was great, guys? Special teams. I know, Luke, you were asking me about Najee Thompson. I didn't see a My lot guy. of him actually. I think I was watching the wrong field, because they were doing it in multiple he areas. Had a, but... He had a big pass breakup in the one-on-ones. Yeah, I think I did see that. That was good. But the the gunning drills are by far the best. By The far gunning the drills best. rule. They're so That was good.
2: super like everybody nobody's paying attention to them at the beginning of the of the day because they come at the beginning of practice. It's like they just started stretching. You know, Justin Jefferson's over there doing school chance or something because he's not part of it. So nobody's paying attention.
1: <laughs> Everyone's looking for TJ Hawkinson. Will he yeah, exact today? Where are we at? Yeah.
2: What are the quarterbacks doing? They're usually like over on the other field. Right. But like I love the gunner drills in particular and like the kickoff. That's basically like a, a, they're like one-on-one see if you can get to the tackler kind of stuff. Cause that's the hungriest guys on the team.
1: And you got some fresh blood finally, too, right? It's the same 12 guys going up against each other one on one for the last right. three weeks. Now we got some fresh blood going on, and guys that are also trying to make their roster and final 53 man team as well and, on the other side. So, and um, like, there's no cake like, bodies the there, you know? Just jacks up a notch. Yeah, you're right. You're
2: right. It's like, so, you know, somebody that. Usually, I mean, you're never going to have somebody like Abraham Bowe He's never going to be a linebacker from scrimmage for this team. Right. Like he's just he ranks like eighth. It's not happening. But hey, when you get to the gunner drills, when you get to the kickoff drills and stuff, you do well enough here. There's a world where you make the roster on just that. And it's true for everybody. I think that's beautiful.
1: Is Najee your clear-cut special teams, whether it be Gunner or whatever, but just like your special teams kind of stand out from that, you know, bottom third of the roster, guys competing for a a roster spot? Luke? Uh, Luke, just because he was... That's Luke's guy. Yeah, Najee Najee is my
2: guy. And that was, I think, for the drills... My eye is not trained enough to ha- to know what I was really looking at at camp. For me, it looked like Teg Allen was probably the the one that was like outplaying his like stock from scrimmage the most, but you know, you had guys like Patel doing great and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And and I saw a little bit from Najee Thompson, but I kind of walked away going, all right, maybe he's not the special teams guy. I thought, and then the preseason game happens. It's like, okay, maybe I just had no idea what I'm Right. Thinking. Right.
1: Depends on what <laughs> so day yeah, you I show up, what, what rep you see for sure. It's a big like body I, of work. You know, you can't yeah, just base I, every evaluation off one day, even, you know, when you see 12, 15 reps.
2: And I think the preseason game is probably the most visible thing that has happened in any setting, whether it's camp or a right. practice. Like those plays from Najee Thompson were like, okay. You are the guy. And he was with the first team special teams too, which I think is meaningful.
1: If Najee is one, and Sam, you can chirp in here. If Najee's one, who's number two as far as like just kind of standing out on special teams? You know, if we're trying to trim down our final fifty-three man projection, there's gonna be a guy or two that just makes it on special team. Tay Gowan, Theo Jackson, Jay Ward, any of those guys, uh the clear cut number two? Pat Jones kind.
0: I think Jay okay. Ward yeah. is has a lot of upside as a special teamer, um, yeah. and that's and I think he probably makes the team based on his draft spot, right? So he has to be, he has to be good. Uh, Ty Chandler actually struck me as a pretty impressive special teamer yesterday. I think I think he's got some some toughness to him that I like to see. Uh, one other disappointment, then we get to Ron Johnson. Jordan Addison concussed, did not get to participate Ooh. yesterday, and that's that's a bummer. Because this was going to be a great test for him. Um, and then Traylon Burks having to leave practice for the Titans. That's another bummer. Non contact, too. Great, great throw downfield. Made a play, beat a guy, and then just came up hobbling. Don't know what happened to him, but not great for Tennessee. That's their number two wide receiver. Um, so back at it today, obviously, we'll be uh seeing checking on the injuries, seeing who's on the field. We will not be seeing Jordan Addison, though. Uh, Ron Johnson joins momentarily, but we want to remind you first that we're presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook, great partner of ours here at Locked On, and this is the promotion they've got going on right now. Football season's about to kick off. You can go to the Super Bowl Futures section at FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook app. You got all 32 teams and their odds. Maybe you think the Colts with Anthony Richardson are going to go off this year. 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Place that bet, sit back and watch them throughout the season, root for them to win every week. You can get bonus bets every time that team wins during the regular season. Uh, and then you can put those bonus bets on whatever you want. You got hundreds of ways to wager on football at FanDuel. So check that out. They've got great promotions going on all the time at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash on is the website. FanDuel.com slash on. Start earning bonus bets September 10th when the regular season kicks off. No better place to bet football than America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Make every moment more. Ron Johnson joins now. He is the host of The Ron Johnson Show. He's at 3Ron Johnson on Twitter. Host the Vikings pregame show. He does postgame on the radio. He's dialed in, and he was at joint practices yesterday watching the Titans and Vikings go toe-to-toe. Ron, let's just get right to it. What were your biggest impressions yesterday?
3: Uh, Well, I'd say the most intense groups were the special teams groups. Uh, I got a chance to actually co- talk to the uh, DB coach who played at Duke, uh, now the Minnesota Vikings uh, special teams coordinator, and he and I just chopped it up a little bit, uh, just, just about football. I mean, he played the game. He played in the NFL, um, but now back coaching special teams. And then, you know, the first thing I kind of asked him was about the intensity of that. And he said, um, th- the one way a lot of these guys are going to make the team, because everybody's not Justin Jefferson. Everybody's not uh, Alexander Madison. Everybody's not Kirk Cousins. You don't have a guaranteed spot on this team. Is going to be on his side of the ball in special teams. And so I noticed – Um, That that was cranked up like those drills for special teams seemed like they had the most intensity seemed like there was the most get to it within those groups. Uh, Also, I think the first fight was in that group. Um, But you know, I think that's going to be the key you want to see that you want to see who has that in them. Uh, because special teams demons are needed in order to make it through a season and actually be successful. Uh, you don't want to go through this season with guys that are just out there because they want to be out, you know, just, just to, you know, half ass it and kind of, you know, go through the motions. You want guys out there who really want to make a Pro Bowl on special teams. And so it feels like they have a couple guys uh, that are trying to make a name for themselves on special teams. If we know Chris Boyd, without special teams, he's probably not a Minnesota Viking for as long as he was. And so now they're looking for another guy like that. Chris Boyd has moved on to the Arizona Cardinals, which should be fun because he'll be here next week, and I think he's said with the Cardinals. Uh, so that should be fun to see him in special teams practice mm-hmm. against his Vikings because we know he talks a lot of crap, and he's going to want to take it out on them because he always feels like somebody doesn't appreciate him or doesn't respect him. So I'm looking forward to that. But I, I think that was what I took away most was that. And then also um, just just Derrick Henry and team drills. Uh, he needs true full go to get a feel of what Derrick Henry really is. Like, if, he, if it's not true tackle and it's not true, I can run through your face mask. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really get a chance to see what Derrick Henry is really about. So it was very interesting. As big, I mean, he's a big boy too, but as big as he is, because I got a chance to go down there and he walked right by me and kind of stood there and I'm like, man, this dude is huge. Like He's a big dude. So uh, that was the other part of it. Like, you don't really get a true sense of Derrick Henry without full go. So that was the other thing I took away from it. Like, the Vikings did – uh, kind of do a good job, I guess, of keeping him uh, from getting big runs. But is that is that truly Derrick Henry that we're seeing? So I'd be interested to see in this uh, as the season gets going these full goal periods that they actually do have a little bit more thud and banging uh, to in today's practice.
0: Right, because it it looked sometimes like oh well they kind of got there right when he reached the line of scrimmage that might have been a tackle, but in reality Derrick Henry makes a guy miss. He falls ahead. You got four yards and. Suddenly that's a good run. So Or you end yeah. up
3: viral and he stiff arms you into the sideline. So yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things Derrick Henry can do that he can't do right now, uh, without full go.
1: Yeah. Uh, Spinman, what do you got? Yeah, Ron, let's take two minutes and talk some people off the ledge about Andrew Booth. What's going on right now with him? Because this has slowly become a recurring question if this guy could or should be even cut. Now, I'm not even close to that point yet. I think no matter what happens this year, he should get a fair crack in year three, right? Kind of wipe the slate clean. But what, what are you just seeing out there from a technique standpoint and just kind of a point of view as a former NFL wideout yourself? Like, what's the biggest issues right now he just needs to clean up And are those things fixable, I guess? Is there any hope? Talk some of these fans off the ledge if you can.
3: Well, I mean, the fans are on the ledge. I don't know if you guys seen Lethal Weapon, the very first one. I know Sam probably hasn't. (laughs) Uh, but With with, (laughs) (laughs) With Mel Mel Gibson, for those that remember the very first Lethal Weapon, when uh, Danny Glover first meets Mel Gibson and they go to an apartment building and they're trying to get a guy off the ledge. Mel Gibson hooks a a, a handcuff to the guy and they jump off the ledge. So that's the point I'm at with Andrew Booth Jr. Like if we're going to be on the ledge, let's just jump together. Because at this point, um, honestly, he has not shown uh, the ability to really say I should be on this team. I I hate to say it. Like it's I I really did like him. I I really do like him. I think there are some fixable things. So the answer is uh, Luke, one. Let's put some handcuffs on and jump off this building. Like, let's, we can trade him. Uh, I know he's come up in a couple, like, he's come up in the uh, 32 teams. There was an article of 32 teams, and we'll talk about this on the round table tomorrow. 32 teams. Uh, who's the most tradable guy or who should be traded mm. uh, either before the season starts or before the trade deadline, and they listed 32 guys. Uh, of course, we'll break that down on Friday with the uh, Packers, Bears, Vikings, Lions tradable guys, uh, but the Vikings' most tradable guy that they should get rid of at the trade deadline was Andrew Booth Jr. So... um mm. I'm gonna call a spade a spade. Like he didn't look good in the Seahawks game uh, in practice. And some of the the drills he got absolutely ran over. Now he did have, I think a good rep before that play, but his consistency is like, he can have a good play and then he can look absolutely like out of his element. And I think that's what fans are seeing. I think that's what the Vikings are, are, are concerned about uh, because he's not with the ones he's not even with the twos half the time. So I think that's the problem is like, it's, like training camp kind of shows you who coaches think should be where i mean the fact that ivan pace is up there he's gonna be a potential starter now like he might start the first game against the buccaneers i'm guessing he's a 90 chance if i was on fan duel i was gonna take the odds i'm gonna bet on ivan pace jr to start the opening day the the roster there that's that's no more that's no more questions anymore roster he's on it we already okay. know that i think he might start the game against the Bucks, And so that's where I would put my money if I'm on FanDuel. And so when you look at Andrew Booth, if I had to bet, I would bet he's either DB like seven or he's like they're trying to find a trade partner for him after, you know, like the day before the final roster comes out or he makes the final roster and then they're still trying to actively trade him for somebody like a guard or something. I don't know. Like it, it to me, it just it, – it seems like where he's being placed, which is outside – um didn't seem like the best spot for him maybe he's a nickel corner kind of like mckenzie alexander um i, I just don't know but he, he does not look that 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 seahawks if you watch that seahawks fade route i was worried about like was this a slant and go was this, it was three by one and your three by one principles are i don't have anything to the sideline i have no help because mm-hmm. i'm the furthest receiver from three other guys so i have no help to my outside If I'm the slot guy or the middle guy, I have the hardest job because my guy has a two-way go in the slot. My guy can run a fade. He can run a wheel route. He can run a post. He can run a dig. He can run an out. So I got from the outside, he can't run an out. He's going to run a fade or a slant. So why jump the slant knowing you have no help to the fade? Your help is to the slant. And it was almost like he just jumped inside because he was trying to make a play. So this is what I say too. Sometimes when you feel threatened, you do things outside of your your body and your technique, and maybe that's what's going on right now. Maybe he's reading the articles as well because the players have these in the hotel, which is terrible. I see why LeBron goes zero dark thirty during training camp. I see why Kirk Cousins tries to stay off social media during training camp. I see why some quarterbacks don't even have social media, like the like uh, Tanner Morgan. Smart, because you're going to get absolutely murdered by 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 some dude in his mom's basement, in his underwear, saying that you suck and that you should be traded. Um, and and so that's that's what I, I think is the key here. Andrew Booth Jr. I think is athletically good. I think he has a speed. He has a strength. I think it's going to be a little bit more him mentally, just letting go and saying, you know what, I need to stop pressing the issue and trying to make the big play, and just make the play. Like just don't 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 get beat. Knock the ball down. You don't have to pick it off and and jump a jump a slant and get a pick six. Just make the tackle if he makes the catch. Like I think just live
1: to see another day here.
3: Exactly. And I think that's the key is DBs that we don't hear about. Or we don't see a lot, they don't make the Pro Bowl, but they also don't end up on the street. And right. I think that's the key. Is like there, there are certain guys that just have it to make a Pro Bowl, you know, like a a, a a a Darrell Revis, a Deion Sanders, you know, a Trayvon Diggs who's boom or bust. Uh there's guys like that. And then there's guys that just like say, you know what? I, I'm just gonna play my position. I'm just gonna be in the league. I'm gonna do my job. Like Trey, Trey Wayne's for years just did his job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key is like you, you, you have to be one or the other. You can't, you can't be both. You can't not make the play and get beat. Just don't get beat. If you don't get beat, that's half the battle. Now just go make the tackle. Understand where your help is coming from. So it's very fixable loop, like a long answer to your, mm-hmm. to your question, but it mm-hmm. is fixable. But I also understand why fans are on the ledge. So
1: do they need mike zimmer uh to come out and just uh <laughs> help a little D. i don't, I don't know about that second?
3: that might have been so, so it was andrew booth he was a kevin o'connell draft pick right he wasn't yes yeah yeah, mm-hmm. KWC, KOC, uh, yep. yeah, KOC. KOC. yeah so i don't know if zimmer is the answer for that because he mentally beat some guys down too yeah uh yeah. What, what i honestly think like again i think the guy is really good i think he's pressing the issue when you draft that many dbs after your year you're like my goodness, like what do I gotta do? Like they right. I thought I was the guy and they went out and drafted another cornerback in the uh, you know in, in the early rounds. And so it, it, it's a little bit of pressure. It's pressing. This is the only job in America that every day you could lose your job because somebody is better than you. There's no other job, like there are CEOs that suck. There are managers and regional sales managers that suck, and there are employees behind them that do a way better job than them. There are sales reps that suck and they just get stuff given to them. Hey, here's more work. Here's more work. And then there's guys that work hard, but it doesn't matter that they're working hard and they're creating their own business and they're better. It's just, this is the corporate football. Hey, I'm gonna feed you the ball here, 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 here. Oh, you're not going to make that catch. Hey, you come here here, here. Oh, you're making the catch. All right. Bye. And and that's, this is the only job in America where Zach Wilson can sit behind Aaron Rodgers and think he has a chance. Like, this is the reality of what we're in. Like this is what it is. It's not going to happen, but it. This is the reality we're in. Like there's no other job like that where you sit there at work and you're looking at the next guy. Like I'm better than this guy. I think yeah. I got a chance. Like you, you don't have that. Like Tristan Jackson, when you look at uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, you know it was awesome to see Tristan Jackson back on the field. But you know, like that's the thing. Like Tristan Jackson as a gunner, as a holdup guy. You know, he's making a name for himself out there on the field trying to say, hey, I might not be wide receiver five or four even, but I can be wide receiver six and be on special teams. Like uh, what's the dude last year or a couple of years ago from Penn State or uh, tall white? Dan kid Dan, Chesana. Dan Chesana. Chesana. Yep. So that's that's that, you know, that's a prime example of just do something well that nobody else does. And, and it could be special teams for Tristan Jackson. Yeah. Ron, on the.
2: Back end of that wide receiver depth chart, there are so many fascinating people. Tristan Jackson is one of them, seem to be really showing out. We'll see what, what he can do coming back from injury. I am so interested with Thayer Thomas, too, and the way that he runs and the, the question of speed and all that. Nikhil um, Harry, you were talking about and all that. In terms of that sort of depth, that sixth, seventh guy that maybe ends up on a practice squad or something like that. Who should we be watching and trying to possibly get to know as someone who maybe isn't on the 53-man roster? Maybe he's on someone else's 53-man roster, but I don't know. Do you have any favorites deep in that wide receiver room right now? Uh, Thayer Thomas.
3: He came on the Ron Johnson show. He was a guest of the program. So All I got to right. get there, Thomas. In there, oh, Sam, you know, and we we also have reached out to a Lucky Jackson. We just never solidified a time with him, uh, but he had reached back out to us too. Uh, but there, Thomas, I, I think. I mean, honestly, when I say this, I look at uh, Gabe Henderson tweeted it out, and Vikings Entertainment Network did as well, saying this kid has a real good chance of uh of making some waves on special teams. Again, another guy fighting for that wide receiver six spot uh, could be an additional. Uh, punt returner could be an additional or the punt return i mean honestly because because like during these joint practices brandon powell like Nikhil harry where are they at like we're not seeing the spe- the, the spectacularness of a, a, a non-padded practice under nights lights. like that's what i'm watching today i want to see Nikhil harry and brandon powell because again we put our horses our money on these horses early but there's nothing saying thayer thomas can't jump back in this he had one muff punt but that's just a learning experience of saying, hey, there's no halo. Beyonce has a halo. She has a song, but there's no halo anymore. So you got to get comfortable with chaos around you trying to catch these punts. You cannot let it just bounce. You got to get out the way and run for your life like it's a fire. Um, so I, I do like Thayer Thomas deep in there, maybe a practice squad guy, maybe a guy that's on practice squad, but then gets a chance. Uh be due to injury, like a Jalen Naylor, you know, doesn't fully get healthy, and Thayer Thomas gets a shot. Um Yeah, I I think that's that's one or two there. Uh, but but I do like there, Thomas Now. Like watching him yesterday, again, he does have that Cooper Cup kind of shiftiness. Like, I think Kevin O'Connell likes that when you see him in the slot. Um, and and again, it's gonna come down to these games, like these next two games. Uh, and I got a chance to talk to Chris Harris, who's been on our show, uh past game coordinator for the Titans. Mm -hmm. And I even asked him, I'm like, you know, because they're there, they have the New England Patriots coming to them next week. And I got a chance to talk to him, and he's like, Yeah, man, like this is what it's about. Like we like these practices better than we actually like the games. And as a coach, he said they're gonna they're gonna grade their guys. So I asked him, like, are you using the game tape or using this practice? He said, man, I'm using the practice probably a little bit more because I'm getting a chance to see these guys in true one on one against a guy who doesn't like them, against a guy who's trying to embarrass them in front of their fans. uh And so he's like, I, I get a better idea, at least in man coverage as a D. He's the DB coach. Uh, I don't know about linemen and linebackers and all that, but I'm looking from a DB like I said receiver standpoint this is when you can see who got, like if you can beat a guy man to man I can put you on the field if you can cover a guy man to man I can put you on the field but if you are looking like you're helpless out there or you can't create separation or you can't even make a contested catch I can't put you out there so I think those are the guys I'm looking for today is I, I want to see Nikhil because I think I think we threw Nikhil Harry in there too soon I want to see <clears throat> Nikhil Harry today I want to see Brandon Powell and I definitely I'm going to keep an eye on Thera Thomas today.
0: All right. Speaking of receivers, we gotta address this before we we get you out of here, Ron, mm-hmm. friend of the show, Ryan Clark. Yeah, I saw with that. the hottest of hot takes. <laughs> I didn't want to respond, and I don't Twitter. George Pickens <laughs> more talented than Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts.
3: Uh, unreal is going to launch a hoodie for week one. I just got a, 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 late breaking text from unreal. Hey Ron, we'd love to hook you up with the unreal <laughs> times, Viking sweatshirt hometown collection for the first game. Uh, would you be interested in shooting a commercial with us for the, sh-? of course I will. So i am i am a, I'm a, we're going to have the Ron Johnson show unveiling of the shirt at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I don't know what they'll, you know, I don't know how we're going to do it, Sam, but we're going to do like a Ron Johnson show unveiling of the unreal hoodie. Beautiful. Um, I'm not going to talk about Ryan Clark. No. So this is what I say. He's a Steelers guy. Um, he he loves the Steelers. We know that. Um, talented can be taken in numerous of ways. Like George Pickens is extremely talented for wearing a pooshiesty. For those that know what it, a pooh shiesty is, Google it. Uh, it's what the young kids wear now. It's the mask they pull over because it's a rapper that wore it and everybody thinks it's new. I wore it back in the 80s because it was cold outside and I had ski goggles, but that's what we did in, in, in Minnesota and in Detroit when I was growing up. We wore pooh to football practice because it was freezing cold in Canada when I played. But now a pooh is something cool, like Drew Brees' son wore it. and I talked to Drew when he was up here last year and he talked about the poo. So, so George Pickens Pickens, uh, like is is more like he he has a bigger personality. Um, he likes to be like thugged out when it comes to like how he deals with DBs on the field. Like he loves to like embarrass his own teammates and drop the ball in their lap. He makes a ton of one-handed diving catches. Um, I don't know where this talent, like thing is. Like I don't. I, I would need the definition of talent. And that he
2: did clarify that. On what Twitter. did he say? He's, he said uh, that Pickens was a five-star recruit and Jefferson was a two-star recruit, therefore. That's, that's his barometer. That's talent. We're talking about
3: high school, though. So he was more talented than high me. school? Okay. okay. Yeah, Don't he was more talented. Because I, I just went to dictionary.com. You know, it says natural aptitude or skill. That's what talent is. He possesses more talent than any other player. Oh, they must have taken this right from Ryan Clark. He has more natural aptitude or skill, a former weight of currency. Oh, talent was a former weight of currency. Didn't know that. They're especially used in the ancient Romans and Greeks. Maybe he's a better Roman than a Greek. I, I don't know. But here, here's where I go with this from a talent standpoint, Let's go with the definition, natural aptitude or skill. So maybe he's saying that George Pickens is more naturally like athletic and talented than Justin Jefferson, but he did say Justin Jefferson is a student of the game. He knows the ins and outs, and that's what makes him great. makes him great as he catches the ball, and he runs really good routes, and nobody can stick with him. So, I I mean, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that George Pickens is more talented. I don't understand how we can say, you know, because like if we look at LeBron James versus Kobe Bryant versus Michael Jordan, you know, like Michael Jordan didn't make his ninth grade team. LeBron James was in the fifth grade on varsity. So Boy. are we going to say LeBron James is more talented than Michael Jordan? That's, I mean, like where, where are we going with this? Like LeBron James is more athletic. Like if you watch Jordan and some of these guys move, LeBron James overall is a more athletic guy uh, than Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan was in a different era. You know, you didn't have to be as fluid. LeBron James is 6'8", you know, so like, where are we going to go with that? So I, I'm going to say Michael Jordan is the best ever. I'm going to say Justin Jefferson is the best receiver. So we'll go with that.
0: Yeah, George Pickens is great at contested catches. Correct, and that it the looks Jordan's really cool, and he gets to gets to use his physicality, and athleticism. But you know who else is good at contested catches? Justin Jefferson. True. He had more than anybody in the league last year. So <laughs> you can say that George Pickens is talented, but bit more talented than Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'd, I don't know about that.
3: Um, I have to get Ryan on here. I don't know if he'll come on here though, because he always, every time I've asked him like his Kirk Cousins comments, I was like, Hey, you want to come on the show? Remember, and he texts me back, like, man, I'm not talking about Kirk Cousins anymore But this is what I tell you, <laughs> tell your fans, because he texts me that like, tell your fans this, man. The the Kirk Cousins can make the throws, but I'm not until he can win the playoff game, I ain't buying it. You know, so like he's probably not gonna want to talk about Justin Jefferson anymore because that's how Ryan is. He throws stuff out there into the ether and then he like it's like a bomb. He throws it and then it's cover and he just runs off and lets Tim Twitter blow up and that's what happened. Like it, you know what? It's it's what it is today. You can be sensational and be sensationalized and go viral um and that's that's what I think it's about. Like it, sometimes you just got to you got to you got to stake your and here do I go with this? I hate and I'm not it's not going to happen. But what if George Pickens gets 2000 yards? Then Ryan Clark's going to be up here all day on Twitter like I told y'all. I told y'all. You know, so it, it won't happen though. George Pickens not going to get 2000 yards, but I think Justin Jefferson will. So that's the thing. Like, Justin Jefferson at 2,000 yards, are we still going to say George Pickens is more talented? I would hope not. But and,
0: hey. and Justin Jefferson yesterday, like, he still finds a way to kind of find that motivation. Even yesterday, he's saying, I want to be in a place where everyone thinks I'm the number one receiver. Like, he still hmm. feels that doubt, I think, in some areas, um, which is kind of like I, Yeah, kind of I don't really, think everybody he thinks
3: is. he is. I mean, that's, that's yeah. he shouldn't feel that way. He shouldn't feel like he's number one because, theoretically, we don't know. Like Cooper Cup was hurt last year, you know. So like, what 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 is like? What can Cooper Cup do? Like, what is this going to look like this season with a healthy Cooper Cup, uh, with a healthy Justin Jefferson, uh, healthy DeAndre Hopkins with Ryan Tannehill? All of a sudden, now he's the new AJ, Brown, the AJ Jalen Hurts. You know, Devonta Smith. Like, there's a lot of receivers out there that we can say. I mean, Justin Jefferson for one is one, but you know, I, I feel him. Like, you gotta you gotta make everybody believe. Like Randy Moss at one point let everybody know he was the best, and so that's what just it's about consistency. Can Justin Jefferson do this every single year with double and triple coverage? That's
1: how J- how JJ looked by the way yesterday. I saw one drop. I saw one clip of a drop. That's it. That's all I saw. I didn't I didn't see, hear, I didn't see a didn't ton. A peep,
3: to be honest, saying, I didn't see a ton either. He was one on ones. He was just Justin. Nothing special. There were some errant throws. Uh, I think he was in with J. Like they were mixing in the quarterbacks a lot too. Like it wasn't just Kirk to Justin. J- uh, J- uh, J- uh, Jalen Hall got some opportunities to throw to him. Oh, okay. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Number twelve got some opportunities. I, yeah, because I think what they're trying to do truly is figure out who is our QB two. Yeah. So I think they wanted him a chance to. To go with some of the top guys and Jaron Hall honestly I'm not gonna lie he looked good running the ball he ran away from some guys but some of his throws were behind Justin uh you know Nick Mullins threw some like I think Jaron Hall or one of them threw an interception off the helmet or maybe that was Kirk so there was it was it was some very interesting um uh I don't know Sam you tell me it felt like team felt kind of dead on the Vikings offensive side
0: So what it sounded to- like totally a two-minute drill were was a quick interception for Mullins and Cousins um, and I felt like, Ron, I think the defenses were taking advantage of the wind. Like, they knew that guys
3: couldn't throw deep. It was yeah. just
0: impossible.
3: So yeah, everything the Vikings was were short. going against the wind. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Because the punter, he punted a 90 some yarder with the wind. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Kirk Cousins was going with. I don't understand why they didn't flip the field. That was kind of annoying. Like, they should have flipped it because they were going yeah. with the wind. And the Titans got to go with the wind. So Ryan Tannehill's deep ball on a Caleb Evans was with the wind. And the Vikings were. So I know they were trying to, like, simulate like, okay Titans are driving this way. Vikings are driving this way so that it feels like a game. So their defense and their coaches can kind of operate on the same side. I was stupid. Like, I'll be like, hey, man, look, let's flip this. We're going with the wind, too. Like, like this is dumb. Like I'm throwing I'm throwing deep balls and it's getting stopped 10 yards short because the wind took it. So, yeah. But and it's windy today, too. So who knows? Who knows what we'll see today?
0: Yeah, for sure. Should be a spirited roundtable tomorrow on Friday. Uh, Julia Daniels in for Reggie Wilson tomorrow, by the way, Ron. There's a production yeah. note for you. Luke Inman will be with us. That'll be tomorrow morning on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Thanks, Ron, no, for your contributions. It. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Ron Johnson, at 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter. Reminder, we're partnered with SiriusXM. Find all the Lockdown Sports Minnesota content on the SXM app. Um, any follow-ups on the Pickens-Jefferson thing? Because I, I... Obviously, caught my ear, caught my eye. Did the, some digging to compare the two, and really, what I said, like other than him making, he is a great contested catch receiver. He is one of the best in the league. So is Justin Jefferson. Like I, I don't see. I don't see any credible argument here, other than if you want to get into the semantics of definition, like what it means to be talented.
1: Well, that's the thing. I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast. Daniel Jeremiah was at Steelers camp, and he made a great point about how there's 32 teams in the league, but there ain't 32 number 1 wide receivers in the league right now. You know what I mean? Like you can be the top wideout on your team and depth chart by default, but that doesn't mean you're a true number 1 wideout the way most people would define it. Um but then he did go on to gush about George Pickens and he said this dude does look like he's turning into a true number 1 big bodied alpha wide receiver. Has all the traits, he's looking the part. So I could see how people could say he looks the part now in year two of a true number one wide receiver, the way we define it. But being a number one guy and being toe-to-toe with Justin Jefferson, I mean, that's two completely different things. That's a different argument I get. So I don't know. I get it, Patrick Peterson. That's your teammate. You're obviously going to speak highly of the guy. But behind the scenes, off camera, right, like peek behind the curtain, I'm sure even Patrick Mm -hmm. Peterson – would probably have to admit Pickens is nowhere near close to what J.J. has done and is doing to this point. But like Ron said, physically, I, I you know, with the size and the strength, you know, the one-handed catches, the splash plays, sure, he could be compared to J.J. on some levels, but there's so many other variables and attributes that makes an elite wideout elite. Hands, route running, your release off the line of scrimmage, uh, being able to read coverages, just to name a few.
2: Yeah, I, I think I know what happened here. Because I I believe I'm looking it up right now, but I believe combine wise, Jefferson outperforms Pickens in like every drill. I think it's faster 40, faster agility, all that stuff. I think Pickens is a little bit taller. I think that's the only one he has on, on Jefferson. But I think what happened here is Ryan Clark was looking at like the high school potential recruiting and stuff, which Jefferson very famously was like not done growing. Like he wasn't fully filled out adult yet until he was like 19. He was a late bloomer. So recruiters were like, ah, yeah, this is a scrawny kid, two stars. <laughs> and that's what happened here. <laughs> and I think he's just mistaking that for like actual talent versus wait until both of these guys are out of college and they've definitely, you know, become the body types that they're going to be. Uh, it's very clear. And and there's also a really underrated thing about wide receiver talent. That we don't, we can't measure. So I don't think it gets talked about a lot, but flexibility um, is mm-hmm. so important. And if you see Jefferson, there's a great example of it from the joint practices, Jefferson running around. There's a clip out there somewhere of him releasing, uh, I think it's uh, called a jab release. There's a million names for all of them, um, where it's a step outside and then a release to the inside. And because his body is just so flexible, he can take that first step so far to the outside that the corner does not have the option to not react to it. And then he can he's so explosive that he can cut off of that release and get a, a ton of separation and get the corner back out of phase. That does more for me. That particular kind of athleticism does more for me than any kind of, you know, height, weight, recruiting or anything like Mm -hmm. that i think it was when it comes to peterson he's just being a homer like whatever yeah and peterson i thought he talked
0: around it he was like he was he was kind to his guy but i thought he you could tell immediately when he was asked and he went uh yeah i could see that like he was his gears were spinning he didn't want to really get into that i don't think it's like
2: and you know what he said the right thing say go gas up your teammate yeah if we if you have an ounce of of brain in your skull, you as a Vikings fan can be okay with what Patrick Peterson said. Just yeah. think about it for 2 seconds, you'll be all right.
1: You know who went 10 picks before George Pickens?
0: So this was sec was his second round in 2022.
1: Yeah, 52nd pick last year. Okay. Oh, 10 picks
0: it's Booth, Andrew Booth.
1: Booth. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's all I got. I just want to mention that. That's it.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for reminding us. That's great. That's <clears throat> nice of you. Yeah. Um. So yesterday, Kirk Cousins failed in the two minute, and I got to thinking, like, our how? What is realistic of us to expect from a clutchness perspective from Kirk Cousins? And I did some research that blew me away. Like, if if you ever need evidence that the law of averages and the law of regression is a real thing, check this out. There have been four quarterbacks to log seven or more comebacks, fourth quarter comebacks. Um, Kirk Cousins last year. Matthew Stafford had eight in 2016. Drew Brees had seven in 2009. Derek Carr had seven in 2016. So let's just look at that group, right? Matthew Stafford had eight in 2016. Guess how many he had the next year? Two. He had one. Wow. And not only that, he had nine combined in the next five years. And he had eight in one year.
1: That's crazy. It took That's him insanity. five
0: years to have Opportunities nine. Opportunities there were. Exact. Yeah. It is opportunity-based. True. Yeah. Drew Brees, 2009. He had seven. Guess how many he had the next year? Two goose egg. Wow! Really? Wow. Derek Carr had seven in 2016. Next year, one. So, what? Are, what have we learned? It's hard to do historic things back to back, back to back seasons. And Kirk Cousins is probably not going to have that many opportunities. And if he does have those opportunities, he's probably not going to convert all of them. Like, think about last year. How many of those comebacks don't count if certain things don't happen on the other side of the ball? Cam Bynum intercepting a pass, Mm -hmm. right? Patrick Peterson intercepting a pass. Josh Allen fumbling. Like all of these. That's how it goes though, right? Exactly. Like that that's that's the the point of all of this is Mm -hmm.
2: There have been plenty of games where Cousins has been on the wrong side of that too where he played really well in the fourth quarter and he tried to make a comeback and then the kicker missed a field goal. I remember like the Bucks in uh, 2020 that game if I remember Kirk was really good in that game. But then kicker missed like the three D- field the goals. Dan game. Yeah, the Dan Bailey game and he missed mm-hmm. like three field goals and we lost by like 5 or something like that. So, you know, you you're, you're going to get the right end and the wrong end of that and that will probably average out over the long run. I think if we want to answer how clutch is Cousins? Um, last year is a really great one to do that with because the answer is really obvious. So you can kind of test if your methods working, <laughs> uh, but you just, you have to look at the opportunities you had to be clutch. If you lose a game by two scores and it's over by the fourth quarter, nobody comes out of that game and says, hey, yeah, and by the way, what about Kirk cousins clutchness in this game? Cause it was, we were all asleep by the fourth quarter. Nobody talks about that. Right. But if you say, you know, well, he didn't have so many, uh, game winning drives we are kind of using that as part of that sample. If you say, well, he had zero game winning drives that year. Well, that was one of those games that we are expecting to happen. Sometimes like to have a game winning drive. Sometimes like, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I like think does. Yeah. We have to look at the opportunities to be, there will be close games. It's just, that's the way football is. You don't get through a season with every game being a nice, clean, easy thing. So there will be close games. There will be crazy ones. There will be fourth quarter moments where Cousins has a minute to drive and is within a score, and can you do it? And let's see how he does. Um, I think clutchness is a famously hard thing to measure. Remember all the ESPN QBR clutch index crap they had years of old? It was horrible. It, it's not something that I think we should try to put a number on. It's a vibe. You got you got to vibe it out. So Let's we'll see if he's got the same vibe.
1: I'm with you. I thought you explained that pretty well. Like I I think the gene is in there. You know, the whole unclutched thing to this point is has to be debunked to a certain degree. 28 game-winning drives on his resume. 8 of them obviously just came last year. 22 fourth quarter comebacks on top of that as well. To Sam's point, super fair to expect things are going to revert back to the mean this year, but I think the clutch gene is in there. It's there to stay. When it comes down to this year, it just boils down to how many situations will he be in where he needs to muster up a game-winning drive and all those pieces of the puzzle fit perfectly and everything lines up the stars align for him to go do that. Just knowing this defense is going to be a work in progress. They're going to live and die by the blitz a lot this year. I think we could see a lot of opportunities again where this offense is playing from behind, fourth quarters, late in games, things like that. Um, And the difference, too, this time around versus last year, the schedule and teams they're going to play in 2023, it's going to be a lot tougher. I mean, with a first-place schedule, that's just how it goes. But I think you both made really good points. Sam busting out the stats, saying these things revert back to the mean the next year. So pump the brakes. Don't expect eight or anything close to that. But Luke's right. It just really boils down to the opportunities and if the ball bounces the right way and he's even in that situation in the first place.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Good show today, fellas. I'm going to go hang out with Ron at joint practices, watch some Titans, Vikings, and we'll report back on the round table tomorrow. Big thanks to Luke Braun. He'll be back on Monday talking about the preseason game number two. And we'll, of course, have a preseason fantasy team update on that day. At Luke underscore Spinman At Luke Braun NFL. He hosts Locked on Vikings. And I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter slash X. Thanks for listening and watching. Today, it's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota.